Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Millennials, where together you and I are choosing, we are committing to doing things a bit differently. We are choosing to prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships while building a business that creates a meaningful impact in the lives of the people that we love and generating the wealth for us to design a beautiful life on our terms. And if you are here either as a first-time listener or a seasoned listener, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today, right now, to expand and grow and learn from some of the epic humans that are coming on my show. Every Every single week, I work to bring what I call real humans, respectful, enthusiastic, appreciative, and loving humans that are making a meaningful difference in the world to support you in doing exactly the same. And today's legendary leader of impact is Dr. Wayne Purnell. And in this episode, I want you to look out for three specific things. Number one, the true meaning of the word relationship. This comes in at the end, and I'm so excited to apply it in my own life. Number two, to what the quote-unquote hip hypnotist and pizza have to do with Dr. P's journey to what he does now, which is helping successful people do the things that they have put off for years without giving up the success that got them there. And number three is kind of an interesting number three, but it's another, it's a question. Questions are so powerful. And he gave me a new question that really I think will help support you and will support me in my journey. So look out for this question. What do you treasure? So you'll see why that is so important. And you may be wondering at this point, who the heck is Dr. Wayne Purnell or Dr. P? Dr. P is a highly sought after speaker, author, global executive coach, and relationship expert. And he brings more than 35 years of experience in helping leaders set new strategic targets, gain clarity and confidence, and attain new heights of success and personal fulfillment. Recognized as the outfluencer, Dr. P has changed the thinking around who leaders need to be as influencers. He is a number one international best-selling author with five books covering topics from relationships to leadership and sparking insight about moving from influence to significance. He overlays his certified high-performance coaching onto his clinical psychology and business background, providing solid leverage for breaking through to greater heights of success. He is known as the leader's leader, and his work has helped thousands of people across the globe. This is going to be one heck of an episode for you. I'm so excited for you to listen and to meet my friend, Dr. Wayne Purnell. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Dr. P, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here, my friend. This is going to be so much fun. Brandon, it's already fun. So yeah, let's go. Let's go. Well, let's I just I just have to tell our friends hanging out with us today, like the first time we met, sparks flew, love was in the air. We quoted Carl Jung together. I think you're the first person to ever call me sassy, um, which which you you <laughs> own you own that in 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 my world. But I'm just so excited for our friends to hang out with us today and to dive into your story. As we were just saying before we hit record, it's like, it's a great excuse to get to know people differently than they wouldn't normally get. So 
as always, I love to start with a, a really fun spot. So I'm going to take us back to 12 year old Dr. P. Um, oh. you, there, there's someone that you admire that owns a nightclub on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. And uh, she's got a show and her name is Pat Collins, the hip hypnotist. I would love for you to share a little bit about what that had to do with the start of your journey. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that Pat Collins is even alive anymore. I'm just, I just don't know. <laughs> um, but I can tell you that uh, if you wind back the clock just a few decades. By the way, let me let me pause for a second. Are you not sassy? Yes, you are. OK, so, <laughs> OK. All right. We'll go back. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, Pat Collins, Pat Collins, the hip hypnotist. Um, I was fascinated because um I saw her on TV and she had local, you know, I grew up in uh, Los Angeles County. I grew up in a, in a uh, small sort of offshoot of LA and uh, near, not too far from Redondo beach. And um, it's, you know, there were nightclubs down there at 12 years old. I wasn't going to nightclubs except that they would do occasional Sunday shows. And my parents were really good about, if I showed interest in something, they would do what they could to kind of promote that for me. So I saw Pat Collins do her uh, kind of wild stage hypnosis show. And it opened the door for me to think about, wow, is that real? Like, is that real? Or is it showbiz? Because even then I knew that being a little bit flamboyant on stage was showbiz. And I began to do some research. I, I was taken to her show. I saw it. Uh, I saw her do more on TV. It, it fascinated me. And I started doing some research. And at 12 years old, it really did lay the foundation for me to recognize that what the mind can conceive and believe, the body, the person really can achieve. And so that while we go into hypnotic trances, naturally every day i started studying hypnosis at 12 years old like that's a big deal so what i found is we do go into hypnotic trances multiple times every day we are lulled into hypnotic trances multiple times every day by advertisers by social media these days that didn't exist back then but it it, it allowed me to be very aware of what language do we use when convincing somebody or influencing somebody of something and more important than that and this is key is what language what do we use when we talk to ourselves um and there are a lot of people out there that will call themselves oh that was a stupid thing to do that was that was really dumb wow how how you know how could i have even thought that i could want that or whatever like we wouldn't talk to other people that way. Why are we programming ourselves to think that we are less than? Because, you know, my world is all about exponential success these days. And exponential success is based on your values, your vision, your vitality. And it's like, you cannot hold yourself back and expect exponential success. You've got to cut that kind of language that you use with yourself. So um, start paying big attention 
And I guess that's a really long, that's a long answer for uh, your introductory question. So there you go. That, well, no, there's so many reasons, so much gold that you just dropped there and so many reasons why I wanted to start there. And I think the quote that you and I bonded over initially was the quote that comes up on my show all the time until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. And I always love asking guests early seeds of genius questions because there's so much gold that lies in your past of the things that were interesting to you as a kid. And like, obviously yeah. I think you've clearly unpacked more layers as to the, the, as a 12 year old, you didn't have a full understanding of all that, but there's so much value, especially I've been giving this example a lot to in, in conversations. It's like, there's so many people in their businesses and their everyday lives, they fight hydras. They cut off the <laughs> head of the hydra. And if you're smart, you cauterize it. But even if you defeat the hydra, you didn't actually win because you have to defeat the thing that actually birthed the Hydra, which was Echidna. Echidna had the Hydra, it had Severus, it had the Sphinx. And so I think that what you're talking about, like language and the the, the messaging that you're using to yourself, it, I, it impacts your identity, which has transformational effects on every component of your life, not necessarily like a tactic or the surface level thing like fighting a Hydra or whatever the equivalent of that is in your life. So, so let me use your analogy and and sort of turn it a little bit, right? So sure. rather than rather than fight, we're going to let go of, mm. right? You let go of something that's at a level that is no longer you in order to get to a level that's higher. And maybe you took on somebody else's words of you're not good enough, you're not worthy, you don't need that right now. That was to contain you as a child. And if you took that as a story into your adult life, it is time to let that go so that you can grow to a different level. If you tie up, and I've seen this happen, and I, I did it myself, I got so invested in the battle. I have to fight this demon. I have to you know, overcome this thing. It's like, it's as simple as that. And that's part of the, the hypnotic foundation too, is it is as simple as a decision to let go of the past and go, what's my future? Because I mm -hmm. don't need to battle this. I don't need to put energy into a battle. I would love to put energy into planting seeds now so that my future is so much more uh, fertile. Like it, it yields so much more for me if I take that vitality and put it into today and into tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And you said the word decision there, which I know yeah. uh, is like a, an important word for you, but I know the Latin root of the word decision is like to cut off. It's to remove, it's to, right? Future. To cut away. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so Pleasant. we can maybe making, maybe we can dive into that. I'm hoping this might be a segue into that conversation. Maybe not. So we'll just explore it a little bit, but something right. you were uh, saying there reminded me of a, a story I heard you tell, and it has to do with pizza. <laughs> so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about uh, your, your pizza story and we'll go yeah. from there <laughs> all right so uh desideri is uh is the latin for decide right it's decide and that is to cut away and you cut away everything that isn't your truth hmm. and you know the pivot point for me in my life i was this is um you know just to to kind of tell your <laughs> the audience you know my age basically a few decades ago, um, I was doing really well, and I'm still doing really well. But a few decades ago, I was in my, I was in my early 40s. A couple decades ago, in my early 40s, and uh, and 
I had a grand outward appearance. I looked successful. If you were to look at my life from the outside, you'd go, that guy's pretty successful. And I was, except that life was upside down for me. I was actually trying to manage things in such a way financially. I was debating bankruptcy. My life uh, really was upside down. My marriage was not doing well. And, um, you know, the job I was in, I'd wake up and I'd go, oh, like as the first two words out of my mouth, not great. You know, so I just, uh, things were just not great. And I knew I needed to clear my head. So I flew to my brother's house. I was living in Northern California. I flew to my brother's house. He lived in Nevada at the time. He's 12 years younger than I am. So growing up, he could never really be a part of my life, right? Like my little 12, 12 year younger brother is going to guide me on my life. Didn't happen until we were adults. And he was thrilled that I would choose his place as sort of a place of refuge. And I'm, I'll tell you how long ago this was by, by sharing some of the details. I'm sitting on the floor of his living room, pulling at the strands of shag carpeting. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> so I'm rocking back and forth. And I'm like, I'm just depressed, right? And I'm rocking back and forth, pulling these strands of shag carpeting. And I'm, I'm like, oh, like, I've got to figure out my life. And he comes bounding in the room and he's like, oh, brother, brother. Um, and Jeff is his name, right? And Jeff couldn't, he, he, he always called, he, he called me affectionately, right? So brother, uh, what do you want to do? Like, and he was trying to be really jolly for me, like be really happy. What do you want to do? Hey, you know what? We should get a pizza. Do you want to get a pizza? And he's like he, he, super hyper, like a little puppy. You'd expect to like piddle on the rug at that point. What do you want to do? Do you want to get a pizza? You want to get, you know, should we do this? Should we do Let's get a pizza. I'll tell you what, let's get a pizza. And I'm like, man, like, sure. Okay. That's great. Yes. Let's get a pizza. That's fine get a pizza and he goes leaping off into the kitchen where he could see the living room from the kitchen um and okay again dating this story and this was a huge pivot point for me dating this story is he picks up a phone book which oh. <laughs> they don't exist anymore right so uh yellow pages flip through past the plumbers into the pizzas right um or whatever you know uh, pizza Right. And he and he starts to okay, one more time. He picks the phone, the corded phone <laughs> from the wall, big yellow, long, stringy cord, right? Some audience members may know this, some of our audience may have only seen it in TV. They existed. You always knew where your phone was. It was attached to the wall. So uh <laughs> he he starts to punch in some numbers and then he yells to me and he's like, Hey. What do you like on your pizza? And I'm like, uh, that was the farthest thing from my mind. And so I'm like, I don't know, pineapple and olives. And he's like, okay, weird, but cool. And he starts to dial more numbers. And I burst into tears at that point. And he's watching me and he hangs up the phone on the wall. And he closes the phone book. He comes over and he puts his arm around me and he goes, uh, dude, it's just a pizza. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm st streaming tears. 
And he goes, what's up? And I go, look, I just had this huge realization. I gave you the answer that was the easy answer because with the kids, they all like something different. The easy answer for them to not fight and for us to just have them fed was pineapple and olives. They could all agree on that. And what I realized is that when you asked me what I wanted on my pizza, I gave you the answer that was the go along to get along answer. And if I've been going along to get along on small choices, what about the big choices in my life? And for me, that was the big bounce. It was like I had a I had a life bounce over pizza. The truth is, in Brandon, in, in talking with people over the, the couple of decades since then, I've realized how many people in the world do go along to get along. I'll just, you know, I, I won't have a voice about what I really want as long as it doesn't make waves for someone else. It's like, oh, no, no, no. It is time for you to claim your space. It's time for you to step in and say, you know what I want on my pizza? You know what I want in my life? Mm -hmm. I want. And then like to declare that, to declare I want. It's gigantic. It's freeing. It's huge. There's energy that goes with it. But from that time, I mean, that's why I wrote Choosing Your Power. That was my very first book. And it was like, it. I know I'm not the only one. And it turns out I'm not the only one. There are hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that have come through the go along to get along place. So, yeah. yeah. Such a such a beautiful story and such an incredible storyteller. I was <clears throat> absolutely picturing your puppy dog brother with the cordless phone and the, or the, the corded <laughs> phone and all that stuff. So thank you for sharing that, that the story at its full gravitas. And it is such a important takeaway for all of us that, First of all, at, 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 you know, as you concluded there that we all need to understand what it is that we truly want at our core, but also that it was a springing point for you was a decision to kind of tie off in our conversation before that to cut away what wasn't working for you. Yeah. And I love, I love that you said cutting away because another quote that I just love so much, I actually, it's Halloween at the time we're recording this. I did a pumpkin and I recorded, I, I carved this quote into the pumpkin, which was not the easiest design, um, but it's, it's by, by Michelangelo. I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. Yes. And I think it's just so beautiful in, in your work and what you do is you help people carve away anything that isn't their truth uh, so you can find the the true version of you on the inside. So, um, so many different places we can go from here, but I know that lots of what you do kind of boils down to clarity of self, as we were just alluding to clarity of yes. message and clarity of values. And in your book, the significance factor, <clears throat> you start by talking about how we can begin to identify and determine what our values are. And I think that that's a great starting point if somebody heard that story and they want to build from a place of knowing what they want. So I would love for you to maybe share some of your insights on how we can get clear on what we want and how we can determine those values that serve as decision-making opportunities moving forward. That's awesome. I want to, I want to touch on a few things you've said, and yeah. I'm also going to draw from the other book, which is dynamic transitions. Um, so we're going to blend a few concepts here. Do it. Truth is so important and what we think of as truth actually changes because the mm. truth that we are given as children is the truth to keep us safe 
but it's also truth to control us, right? Be a good little child and do not, you know, do not have a voice, right? And then as we get to be seven, eight years old, we have language, but we don't have world perspective. We don't have a an adult perspective. And so we are, if you think about rules and stories that you've taken on through your life, that they haven't really changed since you were seven, eight, nine, ten years old, that that unless you're being deliberate about it, right? Which goes back to we need to make the unconscious conscious, that you have to be deliberate about what you've taken on as the rules that have kept you safe and kept you lovable and kept you worthy in the eyes of other people or what you believe to be the eyes of other people, which is where the truth comes in because it's not true anymore. You're an adult and you are worthy just by being and you don't have to be what you like. You Most people live a life where they live into the expectations that they have that other people have of them. I expect you to think a certain way about me. So um, my expectations are about your expectations, which is totally false. And that identity, is identity telephone, <laughs> right? Isn't and it's that's a great way of saying it. It's like I believe something about you, which is probably false about your belief about me, which is probably false. So we got to stop it and just show up. All right, let's talk about values. Values shift over time. So from the significance factor, what I talk about is the idea that we have the idea of what success looks like. And success is about what we acquire, what we take in, what we what we have around us, have how we dress, what we drive, those kinds of things. Look at me, I'm successful. And the idea of the significance factor is to shift that a little bit and say, you know what? It's not like true success is not about what you get. True success is about how many lives you impact positively. How many lives can you lift? Um, and, and that really is like success is about what you get. And significance is about the the lives you lift and what you give. And it's not measured in terms of, well, you touched 12 lives and you touched a thousand lives, so you're better. It's that you gave significantly of yourself in a way that was meaningful. Hmm. So that's, that is one piece about values. Now, how do you find your personal values? Now we're getting into dynamic transitions. Um, you know, I work with professionals and they've come to me and almost like grab me by the collar, like, I'm retiring. Like, I don't know what to do if I'm not uh, fill in the blank, right? So I wrote this when a dentist came to me. He's like, I, I, like, I don't know what to do if I'm not a dentist. I don't know who I am. And I'm like, oh my gosh. This is like, I've heard this hundreds of times, if not thousands of times. I don't know who I am if I'm not hmm. such and such, right? That... um so many times we tie our identities and you know this, we tie our identities to what we do that if we're not doing, we're not, <laughs> we just, we fail to exist. Yeah. And the, and the truth is we need to let go of that. Like we are a much more grand in terms of our impact in the world than what we do. So if you think about values, you think about, 
I'll take you on the values journey really quickly. Like I'm, yeah. I'm giving you the, the, the short version of what I would teach in somewhere between two and four hours. And this is, <laughs> this is how to create a, like, ultimately we want to create a culture of caring at home, at work, in the community. And I've got a culture pack I'm, I'm creating that will tie to this. You think about what you valued, like wind back the clock, doesn't matter what your age Wind back the clock 20 years, right? And that if you're 24, that means you're four years old. If you're, you know, 44, it means you're 24 years old. Like wind back the clock and think about what you valued back then. And it's like, there's no way that you would go, yeah, I want that exact thing right now. Right? It's like, I, whether it's a relationship, that exact same relationship, um, or whether it is a thing um, the chances are you have grown from that particular desire. And so if we wind back the clock and we put you in your 20s, many 20-year-olds are at a place where they're saying, look at me, in whatever way they do it. Usually it's via social media. I'm vital, I'm alive, look at me. Which is cool, all good. In your 30s, you start to go, wow, how can I gain stability for my life? Because I'm I'm past my 20s now. It's okay. I'm no longer needing the spotlight on me. How do I gain some stability? In our 40s, right? 20s, 30s, 40s. And I'm, I'm being general. So, you know, there's overlap. There's some bleed over if you want. Um, in our 40s, we start to look at legacy. I have stability. I have a family now, or I have strong relationships now. How do I build a legacy? How do I build something that lives beyond me? In our 50s, we start to look at health and we start to look at adventure. I've earned it, darn it, right? I'm going out in the world. It's my world to explore now. In our 60s, a little more about health and a little bit more about legacy. Like I might have grandchildren by this point in our 60s, right? In our 70s, health, adventure, legacy, they all sort of blend together. 80s, you you watch, you watch, right? It comes together, you know, what what does the end look like? A lot of people are planning the end in their 80s. Like for me, um, I, my plan, and I'm nowhere near my 80s, but, but my plan is I'm not done yet. But if you take a look at the idea of, of values. There are what are called core, you know, uh, I, I've identified core versus peripheral values, hmm. right? Core values, if you dragged a magnet through some iron filings, you would see the iron filings clinging th to that magnet. And some would, would fall away as others began to cling. And mostly there are some that, that cling to that magnet from the very beginning and they stay with you. So those that cling and, and don't fall away as new value is attached, those are core values. Love, integrity, honesty, family. Like those are the things that are going to stay with you. Fabulous. Those are great core values. Peripheral values. I want the flashy car. I want the, the uh, you know, the, the trophy girlfriend. I want the huge bank account. I want the, right, I want... Um, and that turns into how do I serve? How do I impact? How do I make a difference in the world, right? The, 
our wants change and it's okay to want uh, all of that stuff right nice house good watches um, like you know all of that it's okay um look at how it changes over time because most people spend more time planning the details of their vacation than they spend than they spend in planning the details of who they need to become in the next decade like in the next five years, what do you want in your life? What lifestyle do you want to have? And therefore, then who do you need to become? And that who do you need to become is what values do you need to live into to have the lifestyle you want? Mm -hmm. So beautiful and so many layers to that. But just as a pattern that I've observed from the incredible humans I've had the pleasure of spending time with is like understanding this is one of the most empowering, one of the most impactful things that you can do. Because if you look at your current life reality, it's accumulation of all the past decisions you've ever made. And if you look at the engine that powers the decisions, it's your values and your stories and the stuff that we've been talking about. And so I love so many layers of what you're talking about, but you alluded to it earlier. It's like also unpacking the shit that's in there that shouldn't be in there that you have to rewrite, right? And so uh, just huge, massive takeaway and homework for anyone is to start thinking about this stuff. Actually, I would love, I would love to get really concrete. If like, like if somebody paused this right now, they could start working on an exercise to really like move this forward. There was something that there's a question that you asked in the significance factor that I think is probably the most clarifying question that I've seen when it comes to uncovering your values. And it's, it's the, the question about treasure. Um, I think the frame that you ask people about, about the way you framed it really helps unlock then saying, what do you want? So I would love for you to maybe share that with people as a journaling exercise. Thank you. Yeah. That's thanks for that, that lead into that particular question. Um, I want people to really keep in mind a question before that. And that is, is this the truth? Hmm. It's a powerful question because if you start to doubt yourself on your path, that is the question that's going to give you the clarity and the strength perhaps to get back on track. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm on the right path. It's costing more too much money. It's taking too long. It's really hard. And it's like, well, all of those stories, is this the truth? Is it taking too long? Is it costing too much? Is it like, is that the truth? Or are you on the path and it's just hard? So this gets then back to the question you just asked me about the question. This is a great journaling exercise. I don't ask people, what do you want? And the reason I don't ask people what you, what you, what do you want is because two things happen. One is, I don't know if I'm allowed to want. And the other thing is, wow, there's so much out there. It's like wandering into, into a grocery store and you're like super hungry. And so I want it all, but I don't know what I should have or what I could have or what I can afford or what I can. So it becomes overwhelming. And so the question I ask instead of what do you want is really in your life, what would you treasure? In your life, what would you treasure and for some people it's like i treasure quietude i i treasure the solitude i would treasure having a really small place on a beach somewhere where i could only hear the ocean and maybe look out and have you know these 
flowing waves of blue lupin, you know, just in the, in, in, uh, you know, blowing in the breeze as you hear the, the crash of the waves. And for someone else, it'd be like, I treasure traveling the world. Like I would treasure traveling the world, meeting new people, eating new things. I would treasure my family. I would do anything for my family. I would treasure having treasure. Like I would tre like, so it doesn't like, there's no judgment there. You can treasure whatever you want. What would you be willing to put your time, energy, effort, money, like you can't get back time. So what are you willing to invest your time and yourself into to have and to grow and nurture as if it were a garden? You are planting seeds. You're going to water it. You're going to give it like there's enough there's enough uh, fertilizer out there to go around. So uh, how are you going to make sure that it gets sunshine and water? And uh, how are you going to pull the weeds when they crop up? And the weeds are self-doubt. The weeds are naysayers. What would you treasure? And what are you going to give of yourself in order to make sure that you get what you truly, truly desire? And, and right, that goes to what do you want? It's what do you treasure? Mm -hmm. I, I love the question because sometimes a small change in one word changes how you view the entire question. So yes. I think that that just the word treasure is very valuable because so many guests have talked about what do you want, but I think treasure just kind of adds a, a different level of uh, thought on it. And I love, I want to highlight too, something else that you said about asking yourself if it's true. There's another guest I had on the show, Mo Gaudat, uh, former chief business officer of Google X. And he's got this like decision tree about happiness and it stuck with me. But the first question is like, whenever you have, it's not the event that causes the unhappiness. It's the thought of the event and the way you process it that causes the happiness. And so the, the first question to ask yourself is, is, is this true? Because it's not the actual event. It's the story of the event. Exactly. And the next question you ask yourself is, if it is true, is there anything that you can do about it? If there is, then you can do it. And if there's not, the last step is you have to, how can you move forward with this in your life despite its presence. And so I think that so like the power of just questioning truth um, is something that is is so important. And I know you talk about this in your TED uh, TED talk a little bit about the parallax effect about like having different perspectives. And um, I know we were just chatting before that that you're the numbers are racking up. We're hitting one million really soon, which is really cool. So I would highly recommend anyone to check it out. But we'd love to talk a little bit about the parallax effect and the the impact of seeing different perspectives on determining your reality thank you yeah the <laughs> so the ted talk tedx talk is how a parallax perspective can disrupt perceptual bias and that is a really fancy way of saying look we all come with filters and if you recognize again it's making the unconscious conscious we all come with filters if you can recognize that you step into the world and you look at somebody and you automatically have these stories about them, right? If you look at the two of us, you would never say that these guys are going to meet, they're going to hit it off. They're going to be, you know, friends. It's like, you right. It's sort of like those guys really. Yeah, really <laughs> like, yeah, really. So you to cut through the perceptual bias of, perceptual meaning what are you seeing what are you perceiving about 
the situation, the other person, even yourself? And what are the filters that are in place? And um, how a parallax perspective can change that. Parallax perspective is really a fancy way of saying, if you shift even just a little bit in the way you were looking at something, and I mean physically shift, there is more. And so the question that comes from that is like, in any situation you ask, you go in knowing that there's more, that that's a, like, I'm not a big fan of assumptions. This is the assumption to make. I will always assume there's more. I am missing something about the context, about the other person. That other person has a story. I don't know what it is, right? And my reaction to that person, there's a story there too that goes back to, well, what's the truth, right? So deliberately shift your perspective and you can see that um, you're missing something. And then like one of my, so Curious George is my spirit animal, right? So- um, Love that. <laughs> so the whole idea of, look, if you are staying in curiosity, you stay out of judgment. You live your life in a place of curiosity and wonder, you stay out of judgment. And so, and so the question I would have is, what am I missing? What more is there to the story? Um, and it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm so blind, I must be missing something. That's, that's like, there's a judgment implied there. The, the assumption is, I am certain from this perspective, I can't see everything. Right on the uh, United States quarter, like we often will say, there's two sides to every coin. And one of the things I say is 119. And it's like 119 what? There's 119 ridges on a US quarter that most people miss because we're so busy looking at two sides to every coin. There's 119 ridges, right? It's like, it's right there. You missed it because you weren't, you weren't asking yourself, what more is there, right? And so to every story, there's always more. And so if you ever find yourself in conflict with somebody, it's like, well, what might I be missing about this? And it's not like you have to change your mind about what you believe. It's just open your mind to maybe there's a different something in there that makes it okay for you to not have to be right in this situation, that maybe there's two rights. Right. So, um, yeah, the whole the whole idea of a parallax perspective is we miss things about each other and we have the opportunity to heal the world, really, by recognizing that um, there's always more to a story. So stay curious and find out what that is. That's so cool. I well, several things. Uh, I, I have a list of my uh, what I consider to be my superpowers on my desk. Curiosity is my my number one superpower that I, I believe kind of drives everything. And I, I I I so I love that. And I I guess Curious George has been my spirit animal. I didn't even realize it. So I <laughs> I love that. I have you read um, Principles by Ray Dalio? Or are you familiar with his work? It's been a while. Yeah. Okay. Because Dalio's like, I, work it, is really good. But like what you were saying just really sparked in my mind, like he has this concept of an idea meritocracy where it's like he helps leverage the collective wisdom of a group to see what you can't see. You know, it's like uh, another quote that I share all the time is you can't read the label from inside the jar. And it's like everybody's everybody's sitting inside of a jar with the label on the outside and you can't read whatever it says because you're inside the freaking jar. And so there's another I'm, I'm tying a bunch of things together, but there's a 
Yawal <laughs> Noel Harari. I think that um like I don't I, I always screw up his name, but he's got a bunch of really popular books and TED Talks. But it was a TED Talk about his that I was watching where he was talking about how the only thing that has caused the human species to grow the way that it has is the fact that we can collaborate on global scale without creating craziness. Like if you put a million chimps inside of a stadium, it would just be freaking chaos. But like humans learn how to collaborate with each other and millions of people had to collaborate for you and I just having a call on Zoom with our computers being put together and the technology for Zoom and our microphones. And so we've been, our design as humans is that we only have one perspective that's ours, but if you can leverage other people's perspectives and hear it and be curious about it, there's so much more to reality um, that, that we can see if we're open to the fact that our perspectives are not the only one that's available. It's huge. Uh, again, a lot to unpack in, in your wisdom, Brendan, because, um, that's absolutely right. We as humans have something that, uh, in nature we don't see, right. And that is choice. And mm -hmm. that choice is what allows us the power. That choice is what allows us to collaborate or to push against um, that. So we have like squirrels are going to squirrel. Oak trees are going to Oak tree. Humans get a chance to huh. choose. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we choose a date and a time to connect. We choose to yes. And each other versus yeah, but each other, we choose mm. that. And when we choose to plus one, then we're elevating each other, right? In my masterminds, uh, the the exponential success summits that I run, uh, what I talk about is, look, if I have a dollar and you have a dollar and we trade dollars, then we each have a dollar. Awesome. But if I have an idea and you have an idea and we trade ideas, now we've got 30, 60, 100 different ideas just because we began to trade ideas. And I think, you know, that's the value of this podcast is that you are sparking for your audience. You're sparking the idea of a million different ideas, like take this and make it your own. Take this and see how it resonates with you. That's brilliant. And that's artistry and uh, so necessary. So, again, like, thank you for, <laughs> for doing what you do. In well, I appreciate it. I yeah. appreciate it. It's like there's I, I think comes with curiosity is. Yeah. One of the things that I most treasure in the world is the opportunity to see something that I haven't seen. You know this because you're just as curious as I am. It's like when a world gets cleaved open in your brain that like wasn't there seconds before hearing that. And it's just like, holy shit, this was here. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, I think like there's so many things that we've talked about just today that I had those moments that I, that I have now, but like, you know, what we were talking about before about the ability to, um, to, to decide being one of them but just like the the language is the first one i thought of is like i never it's like the fish swimming in water it's like the classic joke where it's like the the, the old there's two young fish swimming by and then an old fish swims by and says hey little guys how's the water and then the other fish turn to each other and they say what's water exactly <laughs> because it's like you can't you, you know it's like we're in our language all the time and like all these things are so so valuable once you have the opportunity to explore them so all these topics we brought up today are are worth exploring it's a it's amazing. All right. So you use the analogy of a jar. It's funny because I use the analogy of fish. You can't okay. ask a fish what water's like. No, you, actually you, <laughs> need, you actually need the bird's perspective to say there's, mm. there's, there's water, right? Yeah. 
that we are so in our lives. Now, the other thing you said is when you cleave something open and you're like, holy shit, look at this. That's a natural reaction for you and me. For many people, when something that bold and dramatic is, is laid right in front of them, most people are like, holy shit, what is that? And it, and it triggers a fear response. For mm. you and me, it is a trained curiosity response. And just recognize that, like, we're different. And I I'm hoping that in saying this, that our audience, that as you as a listener, you become different, because you choose to be different, right? We could, if you think about a roller coaster, right, you, there's this attribution theory, right? So uh, I'll go to this in a second, which is, think about a roller coaster, you're in line, or you see people lining up. Now, some people go, yeah, roller coaster, and they get in line and their eyes dilate and their heart beats a little faster and they get a little sweaty and they're like, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. There are other people that are like, oh, crap, a roller coaster, and they're being dragged and their eyes get big and their heart beats a little faster and they get a little sweaty. For them, that's fear. Fear and excitement are two sides of the same physiological response to the same, to the same stimulus. So for some people, when it's like, look at this, we go, yeah, this is awesome. Let's explore it. And other people are like, oh, shit, that's like, there's a lot there. Too dangerous. Doesn't fit with my previous schema of my life. I better not touch it. And I think it's really important that you say, that's an old, like, what's the truth? Yeah. I. Oh, man. So this is this. <laughs> I, I, you and I, you and I could do like a 15 hour podcast conversation. I swear totally to God. But, um, so, so, um, I think I first heard this from Dr. Benjamin Hardy and I might screw it up a little bit, but it's like, it's your actions that shape your behavior. It's your, it's your actions that shape your identity, not the other way around something along that lines. It's like our body, our brain takes cues from what we do that shapes our identity. Yeah. And so there's like one of the things that I recently did is I ran my first marathon and um, I signed up for a marathon because I hated running. <laughs> like, like that was the reason. And the, and and it's funny. I actually, I wore, I wore a t-shirt when I ran it says be more curious because like, for me, it was just a curiosity of like, uh. can I do this thing? And I, I actually, I don't, think, I don't think I've shared this on the show yet. The day after the marathon, I signed up for a Spartan ultra, which is a 50 K <laughs> 60, uh, 60 obstacle. But it's so, it's so interesting because I think that just to build on what you're saying, it's like you, you were saying you and I have this, um, you know, excitement when a world gets cleaved open, but I think it's also a trained behavior in some definitely sense, like, 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 like it's, it's definitely like, like I wasn't excited about the concept of running the marathon, but then I started running every single day to train for the damn thing. And then yeah. after, after your brain sees you doing the same thing over and over again, it it's shapes key. that reality. And so I think that, you know, if, if that, if that fear response that that dr p was just sharing with you if you feel like you have that it's not like you have it or you don't have it i think that it's a trained response that can allow you to ascend to different levels of comfort with it i, I want to underscore that that it is definitely trained because um you know fear is simply there to make you aware we talk about fear it's like you're gonna have the fight or flight it's like well what if it's just there to make you aware and the awareness then is is this true it's like mm -hmm. running sucks. Is this true? Well, it's true for a non-runner. What if you train yourself to be a runner? To run. <laughs> yeah. What if you train yourself to be really good in math? What if you train yourself to 
be a an amazing philanthropist like anything that you haven't done is going to trigger a safety response because you haven't done it therefore it's brand new therefore it could be dangerous to what to your identity to yesterday's identity and so you have to be deliberate and say yesterday i wasn't a runner today i'm a runner and and to then train your your consciousness your psyche and your subconscious to go look i'm running every day that makes me a runner which is cool the other thing uh, if i can share a quick story about please okay so years ago i've run like three four half marathons i never did the full marathon half marathon and i really didn't like it very much even just like running 13.1 miles it's it's like why am i doing this (laughs) <laughs> you know the whole time it's like why am i there was this? a sign on my marathon where it was like it was like at mile 20 or something like this and it's like remember you paid to do this <laughs> that's awesome I was, like, I was like okay true but continue sorry so so no that's great so it, you know half marathon is 13.1 at nine miles i'm like whining in my head i want the little cart to come by i'm done i don't want to run anymore it's like can somebody just pick me up and take me back? Like, this is, this sucks. Like, um, and then, and then I'm like, no, I'm in this. And something shifted. And I'm like, if I'm at nine miles, I have four miles to go. I know how to run four miles. I know how to run four miles. Let's go. It's like, and then the, the end was just, uh, it's one foot in front of the other. Just go. And that's, I think it's a great analogy or a great metaphor for what we, what we do, because anytime you do something new, it is hard. It could get hard. It could suck really badly. And then you remind yourself, look how far you've come. You know how to do this. What's the truth? The truth is, you know how to do this. Awesome. Go, just go. Like, and it's, it's amazing when you, when you go, oh. Well, who's in control? I am not the old stories. I'm in control. There's a there's a deeper me. There's a deeper I, not yeah. the old stories, right? So, I think that's really powerful. That when anybody when anybody is in this space of this is hard, it's like that's awesome. Quit whining. Next, like, yeah, hundred percent. I don't I don't know where I saw this. I think it's relevant, but like, I think it was a study where they dropped humans off in like a forest just to see if they can navigate their way back. Or I forget, I forget the exact context, but the the punchline of the study was that without a clear goal in front of them, humans literally walk in circles, like literally, like we just like, we end up walking in circles without understanding of where we're going. And so that was kind of what as you were talking, it was just like, you know, I had that too in the, in the marathon. It's like, you're at a certain mile. It's like, okay, don't think about the seven miles you have left. Like just get to this landmark that I know is coming, <laughs> yeah. you know? And then it's like, and then just get to the next thing. Sometimes you have to chunk it off um, in order to do that. And I think that there's lots of lessons that can be had from doing, doing hard shit as I, as I say, which is why I'm <laughs> uh, doing, doing something else here. But uh, Dr. P, our, our our time is blown as as I expected it to. Um, there's normally a question that I ask people at the end, but there's a there's one more question that I, I would love to see if we can squeak in. Um, okay. You, I was listening to a podcast that you were on where you were talking about the meaning of the word relationship, and oh. it was so powerful. I didn't want to miss it. I have it as a star and highlight. So I would love for you Thank to you. share what it means <laughs> and for to, for us to get that insight. 
Right. So I, uh, you know, I got my doctorate in clinical psychology and, um, and I had a traditional practice before I got into doing organization development and leadership development and, and uh, eventually elite, elite coaching leadership and, and mind state optimization along the way though, you know, recognizing how people come together. The idea is relationship from its Latin roots re if you redid something you are doing it again right so re is again lation is the way things come together or interact and ship is the state of right so a relationship most people think that a relationship well i'm in a relationship i'm just in a relationship you know i'm in i'm married i've been married x number of years that's my relationship and they think of it as static and it's not it is always in flux just like your life there's no real balance balance is in flux and so a relationship is re again relation to come together ship the state of it is the state of coming together again and what makes a solid relationship is when two individuals are solid in themselves come together come apart briefly come together, come apart briefly, and they're growing the whole time so that they're coming apart, coming together, supporting each other in the other's path. And that's what makes for a really strong relationship. Poor relationships are where one person grows and the other person goes, hey, where are you going? What makes you so big? And tries to drag the other person down. And healthy separation relationships are, you know, we started out on this path together We've both grown separately. Um, that's cool. I wish you well. It's awesome. Solid relationships are those that you can grow together, come apart, come back together. And so relationship is always static. I mean, is always in flux, never static. And to recognize that you've changed, also recognize that the partner or the people around you are changing and see what you can do to support their growth. That's so beautiful. I just like, I'm picturing my wife coming home today and she walks through the door. It's like, you have an opportunity at every interaction to every redefine, re elevate, you know, obviously there's bad moves you can make that would detract from the quality of the relationship, but just knowing that, that the, the depth, the, the true definition of the word relationship is an ongoing dynamic thing is just i think just such a powerful thing for people to understand so i really appreciate you sharing that you're welcome last Love question it. let's do let's do oh you want to you want to get it in all right i was yeah. going to conclude but we'll wrap no, it up no. so this this actually this is in i'm your... watching the time let's let's you know I'll, squ I'll squeak it right in for you yep all right i will i will do it with no setup dr p what is your definition of what happiness means to you today Oh, dang. <laughs> okay, so I live my life joyfully dissatisfied, right? So if mm -hmm. I were to pause my life, if I were to pause my life, I'd go, you know what, I look around, I am joyful. I am happy. And I can't pause my life. My life is on a continuum. I am continuing to grow deliberately. So I am dissatisfied with saying I'm going to pause. So happiness is based in gratitude. I have so much to be grateful for. I wake up, uh, 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 the first two words out of my mouth are thank you, right? I get to serve. I get to, I get to experience, right? So that's where happiness comes from and curiosity, right? So it's like all of that. And then what's next? Where am I going? 
like I'm experiencing the moment and I know that I'm headed somewhere fabulous next because I'm creating that fabulousness. Like I'm not waiting for that purpose or that fabulous to happen. I'm creating it and I take it with me. I got goosebumps. I don't know if you can see see that on the camera. I just shared it. Joyful, <laughs> joyful dissatisfaction. Holy shit. That's incredible because- Joyfully anybody, dissatisfied. Joyfully that's... dissatisfied. I mean, that's just, I can't add anything else to that. Besides, if you wanted to explore more of this topic, you can go grab um, some of Dr. P's books. Uh, the Significance Factor was the one I read and you talk about how dis being dissatisfied is a creative state. So if you want to dive into that and the, the values and all that kind of stuff. But um, besides that, where else can people, find out about dr p in his world yeah so look for me waynepurnell.com that is the best place also exponential success summit.com wayne purnell as long as you're spelling it correctly uh and i'm sure it'll be in the show notes and yep. uh, and uh exponential success summit.com Yep. And just P-E-R-N-E-L-L. -L. And yeah, I just want to say to you listening, I appreciate you so much for being here. Dr. P, thank you so much for being here. My Besides, pleasure. Um, and any final words of wisdom you want to part us off before we click the end button? <laughs> <laughs> Stay curious. Keep making your magic. All right. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon, my thank friend. You.